Post-production for this episode of Fruit Bowl is sponsored by Spaces, the new chat-based app for queer people to connect over all the things they're passionate about. And now, for a limited time, you can invest in Spaces for as little as $100 via a WeFunder campaign. Help support this much-needed, safe, digital platform for the LGBTQ community. Look for Spaces in the App Store and learn more about how you can invest by visiting QueerSpaces.com. Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. I'm your host and the creator of Fruit Bowl, Dave Quantic. Today we are featuring an interview with Lizzie, a musician from Seattle. I recorded her interview in December of 2019, which you will hear first. Then, right after that, the editor for this episode, Danny, sits down with Lizzie and asks what she's been up to for the last few years. But first, a few updates. I'm still accepting short submissions from listeners for future episodes. I need just a couple more to round out a future listener episode. They can be five to ten minutes long, and you can send them to me via the Spaces app or email, or you can record yourself using your phone's voice memo app and then email the file to dave at fruitbowlpodcast.com. Speaking of the Spaces app, Fruitbowl has four different spaces dedicated to general conversations, a kinky queers space, an after dark space for more explicit conversations, and a dedicated femme space. Download the Spaces app and come and say hi. Thanks to Ryan Whedon, the sound mixer for this episode. Right after Danny's follow-up interview, there is a special music presentation by Lizzie's band, Creature Hole. Okay, that's enough for me. Now, here's Lizzie. He was just like, look what I've got. Drawer of dildos. Use them on me. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. This is Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. My first name is Lizzie. I'm a musician in Seattle, Washington. My current age is 29, and I graduated high school. (laughs) I have to think about this. In 2008. This episode was recorded in December of 2019 in Seattle. I grew up in North Seattle, a Lake City neighborhood. I would describe it as liberal. Yeah, Seattle um, in general, I would describe as, you know, pretty liberal in the sense that they're okay with, you know, gay people. (laughs) Or, you know, whatever. Um, But, you know, at the same time, they've got got their other problems. But, um, yeah, my household, especially, we were, is very open, open open-minded, yeah. Like, my my dad's an academic. My mom's, like, grew up in a a musician's family. Their families are one thing. (laughs) But they themselves are 
very open-minded, you know, went to Berkeley and <laughs> um, they're, you know, you know, kind of like little, little hippies. I got super lucky, you know. When I was younger, I didn't realize it, but just like growing up, I'm like, all my parents' friends were gay. I'm like, this makes so much sense to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, I had so many like uncles. I didn't even like really have to tell my parents that I liked all types of people because they're just like, yeah, we know. Like, <laughs> I was like, we can see who you bring around, Lizzie. <laughs> like, that person's obviously super gay and you are super gay with them. I think I heard about sex like second or third grade. Probably because I had two older brothers and, you know, they liked to talk about everything, even in front of me. I heard a lot of stuff and I didn't really get what it was, you know, it was just like, well, that's weird. In grade school, in like fifth grade, they taught us about like periods and stuff. I remember having that class and like the boys and the girls separating. And I'm sure, so I went to Catholic school. So, you know, obviously they teach like abstinence first, but they definitely did because like Catholic schools in Seattle oftentimes are like still kind of like liberal. Um, they still did like talk about condoms. Like they weren't that bad, but I mean, it was like very religious, you know. And then in high school, we also had sex education, but I was long far, like, that, we, that was far past when I had, you know, done that situation, so. I think from very early on, I was just like, sex is, can be between whoever, because I saw some things in porn, you know? I think one time my mom was like, I don't really need to have a talk with you, right? And I was like, yeah, no, you don't need to have a talk with me. And she's like, cool, got it. And that was it. <laughs> And then she bought me birth control um, when I went to high school. <laughs> so the first thing, yeah, I used to like figure out how to make myself orgasm was a back massager. It was always just next to my parents' bed. They're never gonna see this. I'm not gonna show them this. <laughs> Um, you know, I would just masturbate to Clueless all the time, all the time. The movie? Yeah, yeah. That's like kind of the first thing I think I realized I was gay or like partially gay. Like just, just all the girls, just every, you know, like Cher, Dion. Can't remember Brittany Murphy's name in the movie, but Brittany Murphy, just Brittany Murphy. <laughs> all of them really. And friends. <laughs> I would masturbate to friends, too. Who was your favorite friends character? <sighs> Rachel. I mean, just as far as, like, who I realized I was gay to. Um, I was just like, oh my god, like, she's so pretty. Like, oh my god, like, she's so pretty. But, like, now, like, I'm probably more into Phoebe, you know, if I... <laughs> They're all terrible, though. <laughs> How did you figure out the back massager? <laughs> so I knew that, oh my God, this is how I figured out the back massager. I took swim lessons and there was a jet and I would, I loved swimming, you know? And uh, I would just like, after swim lessons, I would like oftentimes just swim by myself and like, I somehow, must have like stumbled upon like 
you know, climbing up the ladder and like, oh, Jet hit my thing. <laughs> you know, I called it my thing at that time. And, <laughs> and like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that again, I guess. Then I'm just standing by it for no reason, just standing by the jet and like having this thing happen where I'm just like, oh, that feels really good. And like then coming to a climax, having no idea this is really what's going on, you know? And I remember my mom would just be like sitting there, like watching me like do this. And like, I don't know if she knew what I was doing, but I like would just sit there by the jets and then just like, orgasm and then just like swim away and be like that was fun and then I just would like go back to it and be like I do that again <laughs> so I must have associated like pressure 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 on thing and I was like back massager I'm gonna use this now you know brain power <laughs> pressure 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 <laughs> And that's why I need a whole bunch of clitoral stimulation now. <laughs> I eventually asked for one for Christmas. And I got my own. <laughs> first, first time. My first, first time with a man um, was so boring. And I was like so young. We were both 14, so. Um, and it was totally my idea. I was like, we're having sex. I didn't like force anybody to do anything, um, but it was definitely me, my idea. Um, I think I remember like one of my best friends had just done it too. And I was like, Ugh, I don't know, sex. Like my best friend just did it. Like I also got my belly button pierced after she did. So like I have to have sex now. And like, it wasn't a big deal for me. It wasn't like, like I know a lot of people, you know, had had rough times with like, you know, beginnings and and for me it was like I just wanted to do it. I just I always wanted to do it. I knew I knew what I wanted. I was like, can we have sex? Like I really want to have sex. Let's, let's have sex. And um we just went up to my room. My parents weren't home and we had sex. All we know is that a penis goes into a vagina. I don't think in porn they ever show you a part where they put on a condom, so obviously that was weird. It was like so funny that we even like used like condoms at that point because neither of us like had done anything and I was like on birth control and we were like, we still even like pulled out. We were so like afraid, we were so afraid. <laughs> and we had done like such little stuff. Like we hadn't even like sucked each other's parts. like. I don't even know if I had seen his wee-wee yet before he stuck it inside me. We would always just like fondle each other and be like, eh, like this feels so good and like rub ourselves on each other. We had already been dating for like a year, like literally like so long, like, <laughs> like would never wait that long now. But um, yeah, it was sweet. It was sweet, but super boring. Like we just did it. I did not come, of course. Of course not. Um, uh, yeah, so. But I still had fun. <laughs> In the, back then, you know. When I think about it now, I was like, dear God, it's hilarious.
The first time I was with a lady was much more exciting. Um, this person I met, um, they worked at a gym um, that I went to, and they were um, like much older than me. I think I was 16 at the time, and I lied, and I said I was 18. I think they were like 28. Um, and um, so uh, uh, that was already, you know, that. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was just like this weird relationship of us flirting over time, and it was just very, very obvious. Flirting, 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 flirting. And, you know, numbers were exchanged. We decided to meet up one night, and um, I couldn't, like, tell my parents where I was going because, like, first of all, <laughs> my parents knew who she was <laughs> because my parents also went to this gym. <laughs> and, you know, they knew that she was much older. And also, like, I hadn't, like, you know, told my parents that I could possibly be into ladies as well. <laughs> Even though I did know before this person that I was into ladies, I, this is just the first time I lost my virginity to one. So she picked me up like down the street from my house. So I like told my parents I was going up to like my neighbor's house, my bestie's house. And I was really going down the street to her car. And I remember um, <laughs> we went to her place and we were like watching some movie and like she poured me some wine, which is like so hilarious. I'm like 16 years old and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> wine. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, have a little drinky poo, and we start to make out, and um, she just goes down on me. And um, I was like, woo, because I'm pretty sure, because even though I had been with dudes before this, I had never been eaten out. So that was the first time I got eaten out, and it was fucking awesome. And I was like, holy shit, this is so cool. This is like the best day of my life. <laughs> And then, like, it was so funny because, like, I couldn't sleep over there because, like, I couldn't. Like, I, what the fuck? Like, my parents, like, my parents, like, they're gonna, like, find out where I am. Like, I got scared. So, like, after we did stuff, I was like, can you please, like, drop me off? Like, <laughs> like I need to go. And then she, like, dropped me off at Dick's in Lake City. And I met my best friend there, and I was just like, I told them everything. I was like, you have no idea what I just did. This is crazy. Like, what the hell? And yeah, that was, uh, that was the first time. If you want to know the end of that story, of that situation. <laughs> my dad started to catch on to like what I was doing when they like, caught me like going like the other way not to my like best friend's house but like the other way and I was just like mortified and I was like holy shit <laughs> this is bad <laughs> and it wasn't the fact that she was a girl it was the fact that she was much older and um he went up to her one day Jim. yes and he said you know my daughter's 16 right <laughs> the girl was like shocked, like just shocked, like didn't know what to say. And then he just walked away. Didn't realize my dad was that bold. And um, and then she like told me that. And then I was like, still such a brat. I was like, what? 
He just saying that because he doesn't want us to be together. <laughs> just still trying to keep up the lie. But then she knew. And then, rightfully, she stopped talking to me. So <laughs> I didn't take it too hard. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I knew what I did. I knew what I did. I didn't feel bad about anything when I was that age. I had no remorse of anything and no regrets and I was just punk and I was just like, fuck you, I'm gonna lie about my age and I'm gonna keep lying and I'm gonna, yeah. Maybe, maybe I did and I didn't realize it, but I was, at that point, all I felt bad about was just like not being able to see my girl that night. Ruining my plans. So you never saw her again after your dad? Only went at the gym, awkwardly. <laughs> And you guys wouldn't speak? No, not really. Oh. It would just be like, hey. <laughs> Luckily, like, she ended up moving away. And uh, I actually ended up running into her um, at the Wild Rose Pride. And she was like, you lied to me about your age. And I'm like, yeah. And it was just funny, because like now we can laugh about it. But yeah, <laughs> it's definitely messed up at the time. in Ireland. I was 18. <laughs> I was with my family and I was like having a fucking horrible time. I didn't want to be there. I was with all of my extended family. Like my, my, I love them, but like, holy shit. Like what we did every day was we would get in this big van and like go around Ireland and just like be in this van that was like, all together with my family and I would get car sick and like throw up and like, and we would go to the same restaurant every night. And like, it was the summer after I graduated high school and I just wanted to be with my friends before we went to college. And I was in Ireland for like a month and I was just like, fuck, get me out of here. <laughs> and then I realized I could drink <laughs> without anyone um, saying anything. So um, I drank. And you know, bars were open till like forever in Ireland, so I could just like be with my family and then like sneak off into the night and go hang out at this bar with this guy. He was like our bartender like the first night. It was just totally chill. I was like, I like this guy. He seems chill. Much older than me. Much older than me. <laughs> um, so I kept on going back, you know, to this bar. And then I started to like flirt. He was like, let's hang out outside this bar. I was like, all right, so we go have this magical evening where we like kiss and like, you know, it's, it's cute, yada yada. Get to the end here because, you know, the, the middle part of us just like kissing every night, that, that's whatever. It's the embarrassing part. I lied about my age to him too. I have no idea how old he was. He was definitely in his 30s though. I mean, he probably wouldn't have given a fuck, let's be real. I just thought I should have lied at my, about my age at that time, I don't know why. So we get to like the night before I'm about to leave and we hadn't like had sex yet. We had just like made out a whole bunch. And <laughs> it's like the day before I'm gonna leave. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna have sex tonight. Like obviously in my head, that's what I'm saying. Um, and I go to his bar and he's like, all right, like we're gonna hang out after work. So I'm like, all right, I wait for him. He gets off, we like go have this like crazy night of like drinking and stuff. And then we go to his apartment which is like <laughs> of this like creaky old like it's like above a pub of course and it's like up the stairs and it's like I swear it's like this little little tiny place with like just a bed and I'm like cool 
<laughs> it's just awkward. You know, it's just like, oh, there's no like sexual energy. Like he's not good at like, you know, getting me there. And like, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just gonna get naked. So I like get naked and I'm like, look at my body. <laughs> and then he's like, okay. So like, he like doesn't get naked so much. Like he like has a shirt on still, takes off his pants, just wants to go, go ahead for it. And like, I can't feel anything. I legit can't feel anything. Like he's like thrusting and I can't feel anything. And like, I don't know, like, I don't know what was going on down there. If he like couldn't get it up or like what, what the fuck, if he just had like a very small one, you know? And that's totally like whatever, like I'm not, trying to say anything, but there was just no communication. Like, just nothing. Just like, I was naked, and he went like, there. He didn't like, try to go down on me, do nothing. He was just like, I'm going in. And I guess he came. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is terrible. Holy shit. Cause like, I don't even know what the fuck just happened. I'm gonna leave! That literally was, it was so bad, dude. Literally just left. I had already given him my number and email. So that sucked, cause I left the next day for America and he had just like kept on trying to like get in touch with me. And I was like 18 and young and I didn't know what the fuck just happened. You know, I hadn't been coached for that one yet of men just like, First of all, just being a dick. Like, just, I'm sorry, but like, I'm so down with doing things with people, like, with whatever, you know? If they can't, like, do things with their situation, like, I'm fine with that. I'm down to get them off. They just, just maybe get me off too. <laughs> Talk to me about their situation. Communicate with me, you know? So I'm not just like, what the fuck? And I'm like young and I didn't know how to deal with it. You know, I just didn't know what the fuck to do. So I just like went away and I just ghosted him. I totally fucking ghosted him. But that's because I felt weird. I'm sure he felt awkward too. And maybe it was really hard for him to communicate at that time. And I get that too, but it definitely sucked for me. Every woman's had, and I'm sure people in general just have had sex where like you just get came on or in, you know? And that's what happened. And you're just like, great, I just, that was happened. okay, that's it, bye-bye. And you know, you feel super used. But, but again, he probably felt really weird too. I don't want to speculate though, maybe he was just a real jerk. <laughs> it could be a little bit of both. <laughs> The first time I fell in love is with the guy that I had sex with, the guy that I lost my virginity to. I was with him forever. Like, I just was like one of those ones that I just could not like let go of. And we were just so bad for each other, just so bad for each other. We were together and then we would break up and then I would like go have sex with some people and then like I would go back with him. And then sometimes we wouldn't break up and I would go have some sex with people and I'm sure he did the same. And it was just horrible. And that's kind of, unfortunately, what formed my relationships and how I view them. Um, yeah, uh, it was great, great first way to just start off everything and like, 
gain trust in people, you know? No. Um, that's, that's kind of like how, how love turned out for me, but I, I haven't lost hope, I think. I still have a lot of trust and a lot of love to give, so uh, he, didn't, he didn't ruin me, and I hope I didn't ruin him. <laughs> hope you're doing good out there. I'm pretty sure he's married and happy, so that's good. But uh, the first time that I think I really and truly, after that, like, got like so hurt, like so badly hurt, was when I like was in lust um, with this guy that I met at Pony of all fucking places. He was French and just so fucking hot. I was like, well, you're attractive, but like you're probably into, you know, men, I'm assuming. So like when we were talking, like I was just like, this guy's cool, but like whatever, I'm not gonna take any interest in him. Um, and then like, we went outside and started like smoking weed and he's like, can I like get a ride with you? And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, do you want to like smoke another blunt? He's <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, huh, this is strange. Like, are you into me? Like, I'm confused. We went down to like um, this, like, cause he was like just visiting. And so we went down to like the waterfront. This was like late at night. And we were like smoking the blunt and then you know we started making out and i was like well this is fucking magical like this guy is french he's got the accent it's fucking hot as shit met him at a gay bar this is cool um and you know make, making out magical he wanted to like go have sex like right then and i i'm just like sometimes i just can't do that you know when i first meet someone i get a little nervous and I started to overthink everything, even when I'm drunk, and I'm like, no, no, no. And then, like, of course, immediately regretted that when I got home. I was like, fuck, Lizzie, you're never gonna see him again. But luckily, um, I had forgotten that um, he had gotten my Facebook information, and he messaged me, thankfully. And he lived in Canada, and he was like, well, you know, why don't you, I won't, do, I won't do the accent. He's like, why don't you come up next weekend? Um, I'm like, okay. And then he's like, we can go to this party. And he sends me a link, and it's like a fucking sex party. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> that escalated. I'm like, well, now I know what's going on here. So I go up to Canada. It was the first time I've like ever been to Canada. And I took my old car that had tags, like people like tagged all inside of my car, like graffiti inside my car. And it said like, smoke once, vagina. <laughs> like there was a big vagina drawing on top. And um, just permanently smelled like a blunt. And um, I went to the border. I, I had no idea. I just was so stupid. And the guy immediately was like, pull over. Like, just fucking pull over. And I was like, okay. And I was in the like <laughs> part where they hold you for like an hour and a half. And I'm just like, and I didn't know anything about him. They ask you all these questions. They're like, who is he? Where does he live? What does he do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just met him. I just went out of sex. That's why I came up here. But I like couldn't, I, even though I should have just said that, I was like dancing around it. And then finally I was just like, dude, I just met him. And we were, I was gonna have sex. And I said it, I said that. I was like, we we're gonna have sex tonight. Please let me go. I can't get a hold of him. And then they're like, just let me go finally after like interrogation. Um, 
So then I finally get to him and we meet. And like right when we meet this motherfucker, he has an awesome apartment. Sunset is happening right when I get there. He's got wine for me. He's made dinner. It's delicious. It's Italian food. I'm Italian and very picky and it's beautifully made. I'm like, ugh. Fuck you. And then he just like makes out with me and I'm just like, I'm in love with you. Fuck you. And so yeah, like I fall in love with him like immediately after that. Like no one's ever like done that shit for me. So then, you know, we have a great weekend. We go to the sex party. That's a whole other situation. Like you walk in and people are just getting, just naked everywhere and just getting spanked. There's the spanking room. And then there's a room where you're just like tweezing people. And yeah, he just like took off his pants and he's, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna jack you off. So I just started jacking him off right there. Later that night at his house, he was just like, look what I've got, drawer of dildos, use them on me. And I was like, oh shit, okay. Like, yeah, all right. And it was just so much fun. It was so much fun. How did you make your selection? Like, <laughs> like He had this big one that was like, able to be in the strap-on, so I wanted to use the strap-on. He de-virginized me to dildoing a man, and I think that really made me fall in love with him. Because <laughs> it really made me find out something about myself, where I was like, oh, I like to do this. Like, I knew I liked to do that with women, but it's just, it's just a whole other thing with a man. Personally, for me, and I know everyone's different, I like using a dildo with a man more. Like, when, it's, when I'm with a woman, we, I, I normally am the one getting like the the penis inside of me, and I don't really use it on women much. But um, yeah, it was fun. I got to use it, and it was really and it was like dominating a man. Like it was just so much fun. It was so much fun. I definitely just took to it. Like it was just like, well, I'm gonna be the man now, you know, and I'm gonna say all the things that all the men have always said to me, and I just like got super into it. I was just really excited, you know. It was just really fun. And then, like, I leave, and I just like, I'm just like, oh my god, like, you know. Again, I fall in love with them, and I'm trying to like hang out with them again. So he's down to hang out again. So we like, you know, pretty much, I go up there, we hang out again. Um, and I'm trying to like continue this thing super hardcore. Like I'm like fucking in love with him. And you know, I can tell he's not. <laughs> like he, I am pushing this thing super hard and he has been responding. And then like we hang out and then like it's definitely not as good as like the first time. And like I have to be the one, you know, always talking to him. And this was like probably the first time like anyone had really like ghosted me hardcore like that and um or just kind of like I could tell they were not into it but they were just kind of like giving me a little bit and then walking away and then you know maybe taking a little bit from me as in like having some sex with me and then like going away when I was just like so in it and then you know he let me down you know he as in like he actually he uh, he unghosted me he he said Lizzie you know no and that was horrifying and I, it was so hard. Like even though we were hardly in a relationship, I was like so fucking heartbroken. And I was like, I'm never gonna love anyone like him. He was amazing. And then I started thinking about it and I'm like, actually he wasn't. And I don't think we ever had a good time together. Like I don't think we ever really laughed together. And like 
We totally were totally different. He's a techie. I'm like a musician person. Like, you know, we're just very, very different people. And it's okay that we're not together. So that's my long story about that. I'm, I'm fascinated by the invitation to go to a sex, a sex party, though. That makes a lot of assumptions. Right? And I should have known, like, it's like, Lizzie, okay, these, this is life lessons for you. <laughs> you hear that? Of course, I fall in love, and like he's just so obvious. He's like, I just want to have sex with you. He was being pretty honest about what he wanted. <laughs> with men, it's just like I just look them in the eye, and they're like, Oh yeah, like. <laughs> I think that's honestly my move for men is just looking them straight in the eye. And then, you know, saying something really fucking dirty, like talking about my fucking pussy. You know, like your hard cock. I, I mean, I'm definitely a dirty talker. And also I can be pretty dominant, but I am also a super sub. So just kind of depends on my partner I'm with at the time or my mood of the day. When it comes to women, I guess like Normally, in the past, I've been with more like dikey women. <laughs> and so like, whatever normally that means. And the, well, I won't even say normally. In my experience, it's been that they've been to, like to be more dominant. But at the same time, I know dikey people that like to be sub too, you know, like, but I just, in, in my experience, like I've been domed by by ladies. When I first started hooking up, I had no worries of anything. You know. <laughs> I was just like, I'm fucking everybody. And like, you know, I didn't give a fuck about condoms. I didn't give a fuck about whatever. I didn't give a fuck. Um, and then, you know, you quickly learn that that's a bad idea. Like, uh, when you're having, like, sex, you gotta be fucking careful. So, I think in my, in my later years, like, I choose wisely on who I have sex with. Not just because of the safety of, you know, STI stuff, um, or pregnancy. Because <laughs> that's horrifying, too. Um, um, but just because it's about who you let in your body and trusting people. You want to be able to just have sex freely, but it's, it's not as easy as that. <laughs> Emotionally and physically. personal struggle for me when it comes to sexuality um, it hasn't really been about like coming out or anything like that which I'm like super fortunate and really thankful for but it's been just about like embracing or being comfortable knowing that I'm not just a sexual object because I've been so comfortable being like sexy for so long like I lost my virginity at 14 like 
And I'm not like I'm not saying I'm not proud of that or I'm not I'm like I regret it. I don't regret it at all. Um, but <laughs> I I do I think in a lot of my relationships I'm like well if I don't have sex with them today they won't like me anymore you know and I, I'm sure I'm not the only woman who thinks like that um, you know we you know we think we can be you know just objects for our people and that's not just something in straight relationships like when you're with other women you you just want to give 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 and like give your body and like and I think that's something that I've come to realize where it's like you don't have to have sex with someone in order for them to like you. I think at some point, not necessarily I went out looking to have sex, but like I would be like, yeah, like if someone wants to fuck me tonight, I'm gonna fuck tonight. We are not just objects and you don't, you don't owe anybody sex. Um, and a lot of people are gonna try and get it from you. <laughs> and you don't have to give it to just anybody. And you don't, and people aren't, you know, they don't just like you because of the sex that you give them. You're more than sex, you know, and it's still something I have to come to terms with. Like, I think about it every day. I'm a drummer and singer and keyboardist, and I can make beats and stuff. I'm in a band called Creature Hole. We play out all the time. We're on all the Spotify's and whatnots. It's been my baby project since 2011 with my best friend Carl. We were in a performance class together at Evergreen State College in Olympia. I knew that I wanted to be their friend um, just because I knew that they were cool. And so I was like, you wanna like drive with me to school? Because <laughs> you're in my class. And so then we like bonded over Nicki Minaj <laughs> in the car. And like the first um, project the class had, um, it was like some weird thing where we had to write a song. I don't remember, I think it was like about some witches something. And like we wrote the song together and like ever since then we were just like, we love each other. We, we, we work really well together. Um, someone, they wanted to write a song about, for someone that they liked, Carl did. And someone gave us a beat and, and we wrote like, you know, some sexy lyrics. Everyone was like, that was awesome. So they kept on sending us more beats. So we kept on writing more. So then that's kind of like how our little music project started. Back when we first met, their nickname was Chicken. My nickname was Garlic Man. <laughs> um, just like karaoke names, you know? And um, <laughs> so we were Garlic Man and Chicken as like our little first group name. And then we started like not liking that name anymore, just, just for like a whole bunch of reasons. In one of our songs on our first album, we rhymed pizza roll with creature hole. Uh, I think it was, imagine your pizza roll inside of my creature hole. And like we were like <laughs> trying to think of a name for our album that that song is on. And we were like, well, like Creature Hole. Like nothing else is named Creature Hole. Like it's a weird thing we made up to rhyme with pizza roll. So that's unique. So then that's, that's how that album name happened. And then when we were thinking of like the name switch for Garlic Man and Chicken, we were like, well, when people type in Creature Hole, like Garlic Man and Chicken will come up and 
and it, let's be a smooth transition if we just use our old album name and we like it and it's weird <laughs> and no one else has it and it means vagina. When we write, we write about like our lives and like it's, it's really hard not to be queer and weird when like we just, that's what we are. We're not trying to be like this, you know what I mean? Like it's not like we have to try very hard <laughs> to have like queer lyrics or like be this thing like when you write like you know it comes out creature hole is definitely weird body positive queer as fuck um lyrically and then musically i would say danceable and um jazzy some of our song titles um include don't put your pants on um cakes on flame shaving my leg um troll call it's it's like, um, I've been looking for a troll doll to say they're here for a roll call. Let me look at all my troll names. We can stomp and play mad troll games. We can go to the cave and get frisky. We can troll play dressed like pixies. Us trolls get hard off whiskey. Get a little drunk, get a little frisky. Get a little pissy. I'll piss on you and you can piss on me. That's how we troll, that's the life we lead. It doesn't make, it's just a song about nonsense. But still, I'm picturing trolls having sex now. <laughs> <laughs>That was three years ago, 2019. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, before the destruction of everything. Got it. Um, I am still living in Seattle. Now I'm a barista. I'm, I'm generally happy and good. I'm still making music. That kind of had to cease for a little bit in 2020. Although I did release an EP in 2020, um, just by my lonesome without the band, just to kind of keep the music going, because <laughs> that's necessary. So forever, Creature Hole was me and Carl. In 2019, we were like, we're gonna make a band, we're gonna start a band, like do the Creature Hole songs, but with the band, write new stuff and have a band. Cause no matter what, when you're a musician, people like to be like, you're not this or you're not that. So we were always the computer band and like we wanted to be more than the computer band, you know? Um, and now saying that it's hilarious because like I miss the computer because it's just a computer now You have to lug everything <laughs> um, But uh, so we started that in 2019. And we we're like, yeah 2020 is gonna be the year of the hole with the band <laughs> and that did not happen um, So yeah, 2020 happened. We had like a couple really awesome shows planned out for 2020. You know didn't happen yada yada 2021 ish uh, we started trying to do more band practices, getting shows together. We do still play, just me and Carl, with beats and stuff. But we also have um, a drummer and a person that can play guitar and bass, and I play piano. And we've, been, we've had excellent gigs for 2022, and our album's going to release in December, December 11th. Awesome. Yeah. So you just listened to the episode mm -hmm. a little while ago. Mm -hmm. What was it like listening to your interview from three years ago? <laughs> um, I liked it. I like hearing myself explain 
how I like lost my virginity. And it's just hilarious. It's funny. It's like, oh, that's how 2019 Lizzie would see her, her past, you know? And, and when you say things in the moment, you, you know, there's nerves, you kind of like forget what you say right after you say, I don't know, at least I do that sometimes. And so I'm like, oh, like, okay, I explained pretty, pretty all right. Um, what happened uh and it's just it's cute like oh i'm a human (laughs) would you have answered any of the questions differently after having listened to it i don't think i would have answered any of the questions differently i'm in a monogamous relationship um i started dating my partner in 2018 and um so we had already been together for like a year during the interview. Um, but it was, I guess, that was still kind of new for me at the time. Um, we met at Ray's Boathouse, which is very common to meet like your partners there. They call it a raymance <laughs> or a relationship. Um, but now we live together. It's actually the first time I've ever lived with anyone and um, it works out great. Um, he's very clean, so I like that. We are very good for each other. We work out very well. I'd say this is the first time I've been super honest and faithful with uh, my partner in my 32 years of life. Uh, We try our best to just be as honest as possible. I remind myself that it feels so much better. Like I am a type of person that like has to get everything off my chest. Like, holding it in feels anxiety to me, like, oh, sweaty palms, like, every time I see them, I'm thinking about it. I can't, like, stand it, so I remind myself that it's going to be hard to talk about it, but it's so much harder to have your heart racing and don't know the answer. You just want to know the answer, or, like, you just need a resolution. Once you got that resolution, once you get it off your chest, you're going to feel so much better. You might still have to work through those things, but so much better feeling. (laughs) In the very beginning, we were both super honest about like, okay, he was with somebody and for a long time and he left them and pretty much went with me. Okay, so there was that. And I was uh, running around everywhere like a wild person, uh, being a little hoo doodle doo, having lots of fun. Um, And so we were both like, okay, there's no point in starting a relationship if you're just gonna like hurt each other uh, you know I think we had already been through enough that we're like we don't want to get into this unless like we're doing this so I think starting off with that solid rock of like let's do this if we ever feel like we can't communicate or like don't want to be with each other like we end it I know it might suck but like it's better to do that than lie to each other and like cheat on each other Um, so just starting off with that and then being super, super honest with everything, like that doesn't make me feel comfortable or like, I like this, um, telling each other our needs and still doing that, still communicating, communicating, be like, I don't like this or like, I need this. Just all the previous relationship trauma that you go into with any relationship. It's always interesting getting over those hurdles, so I think I was probably still really unsure and, like, scared at that point. And so I can, like, almost hear that and just being, like, uncertain with myself. Uh, But I'm a lot more comfortable and, uh, and trusting with this relationship right now. 
my approach to sex has evolved, I think. Um, again, finding your worth outside of sex is, is hard, um, especially when that's like kind of been what you've been graded on your whole life, like how attractive you are and, and what you can offer your partner. There's been a lot of, you know, decompressing of that in this relationship with, I've been with him for four years and um, trying to get over like that, especially when you're in a house together in 2020, like I wanna be more than sex, you know? I've been able to communicate that with my partner and say, I don't want to just be like a sexual object and not saying that he's ever treated me that way. It's just my own trauma or past relationship things that have made me feel like anytime, um, you know, anyone might ask me for sex or something like that, or not ask you for sex, but initiate something, be like, oh, is this like, oh, I'm worth. Um, but no, sex is like definitely just an intimate act of love. Uh, and it will just kind of happen. And it still happens quite often for being <laughs> living and together for four years. So it's, uh, it's good. And I do think I have gotten mostly past that feeling of uh, I need to do this in order to keep them around. I don't know if I've had like a complete resolution on that, but just like learning how to balance um, the sexual needs of partners. Um, and not that it's been like challenging or anything. It's just kind of like, um, you know, when someone wants it and you don't necessarily want it or like trying to find the t even the time to do it sometimes. Um, just learning through those things and, again, communication about it um, and being honest with each other. You said you've been enjoying listening to the other interviews. I'm curious what you get out of listening to other people's stories. Oh, I get a lot out of listening to other people's stories. I think that's, like, my favorite part of history is just, like, other people's stories and, like, their experiences. Because I feel like... I know everyone is unique and beautiful, but, like, I feel like sometimes, like, my story is, like, n you know, it's a story. <laughs> it's fine. But um, other people are so interesting. Uh, and, like, the, sh the stuff that they go through is... And not, not go through like it's bad, but just, like, experience in their skin. It's, like, that's interesting. And, and it makes you be more understanding. I think I told this to David. I enjoyed being asked <laughs> about my own life. It was like a therapy session almost. I was like, oh shit, unpacking things. Um, so yeah, I hope to do more things like it. Cool. Well, I think that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing a follow-up interview. Yeah. We appreciate it. My pleasure. And now for your listening pleasure, here is the Creature Hole song titled Dream Street.
get to reality and you won't feel as grounded interviews are edited for length and narrative clarity and are approved by each interviewee before being released. Visit fruitbowlpodcast.com where you can learn more about this episode, browse the episode archive, and watch original videos. Fruit Bowl collects histories from all different backgrounds and experiences. Cisgender women, trans and genderqueer individuals, Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color. It's only by collecting diverse stories that we can begin to see what unites us. Interested in sharing your story? Find out more about the interview process, including a full list of questions, a description of the collaborative interview process, and news about future production. Visit fruitbowlpodcast.com for links and contact information. Fruit Bowl is produced independently without any corporate media infrastructure or full-time staff. Help support our efforts to collect, archive, and share personal stories about queer coming of age by making a small monthly donation through Fruit Bowl's Patreon membership. Patrons get early access to episodes, behind-the-scenes updates, and exclusive video outtakes from each episode that are not available to the general public. Or promote your business by sponsoring an episode of Fruit Bowl or dedicate an episode to a loved one. Episode sponsorships and dedications are 100% tax deductible through Fruit Bowl's fiscal partnership with Seattle's Northwest Film Forum. Fruit Bowl receives no direct funding from Northwest Film Forum, only the use of their nonprofit status to receive tax deductible donations. Learn more at fruitbowlpodcast.com slash donate or write dave at fruitbowlpodcast.com for more information. Social media platforms often censor mentions or depictions of queer sexuality. Accounts are often suspended or banned outright without notice or due process. As a result, promoting Fruit Bowl is an uphill battle, so we rely on you to help spread the word. Tell your friends about Fruit Bowl, rate us on your podcast platform, or write a review on Apple Podcast. And, of course, you can also follow us, for now, on Twitter at Fruit Bowl Pod and Instagram and TikTok at Fruit Bowl Podcast. Fruit Bowl is created, produced, and edited by Dave Quantic. I'm Rebecca M. Davis. This has been a production of Cubed Media, all rights reserved. Thanks for listening.